Hi there. This episode of the podcast again is brought to you by A Life of Education. Alifeofeducation.com is the UAE's only dedicated health and fitness educational website delivering health and fitness content to fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts from a variety of sections of the health and fitness world. With talks and lectures in areas of nutrition, anatomy, physiology, sports medicine, female development, yoga, pilates, strength conditioning, the business of fitness, and many more to be added in the future. Allo's mission is to bring leading experts from around the world of health and fitness together on one platform to share their knowledge and expertise on a global scale. So one of the sections in this is on the female development is going to be uh, dealing with menopause. This is just to give people a better understanding of menopause and the different stages, um, kind of what people might present with who are going through menopause and what needs to be considered, so sort of the signs and symptoms um, of menopause, planning uh, a program around kind of menopause and, and, and what physiological considerations need to be uh need to be made what nutritional considerations need to be made and then what that how that affects the training and what the training intensity or variability needs to be any sort of red yellow flags all those different type of things that people sort of may not have an, uh, an ability to identify directly um Allo hopes that this course will be able to give trainers just a bit more confidence and a bit more uh, awareness so that when they're presented with a female who's possibly going through this that they're able to sort of uh, deal with it and understand it a bit better shifting uh, slightly away from that or, or very much away from that uh, this episode of the podcast with myself and Matt is with a good friend of mine uh, called Toby Jones Toby is a advanced bike fitter so what that means is people who cycle a lot whether they're uh, endurance cyclists or triathletes or they just like to go kind of recreationally out for quite a while on the bike when they clip into the pedal on the bike the bike needs to be certain dimensions the handlebar this far away the foot pedal this far away the seat this height kind of what you're basically told when you're a cyclist and you're just a saddle but then to a much greater degree with uh, performance cycling and how to create a more efficient cycle um so toby's been uh, working with me for quite a while he's based out of singapore so he flies to dubai does a bit of work here fits some people and then flies out and he's in he's in such demand that he can do that two three times a year so uh i've wanted to get toby on the podcast for quite a, quite a while and only now he's actually in town uh this week last week maybe the week, i think he's been in town for about a month he's been a bit ill but before he left, he leaves this weekend. He squeezed in a, a meeting with myself and Matt. So uh, he'll explain everything as we go into it. Um, if you hear a little bit of animals running around, we, had, we have a cat and a dog running around. So every now and again, the dog chases the cat and we hear some funny noises. So put it down to, the, to those two. It, it was none of us making some funny noises. I don't know if it comes through on the microphones. But uh, anyway, let's get on with it. I hope you enjoy myself, Matt, and Toby Jones from Bike Fit Asia. Hi there, okay, we're back again. Um, it's myself and Matt, and we're here with Toby Jones from Bike Fit Asia. He's in Dubai from Singapore doing some work fitting uh, cyclists here for sort of optimal optimal performance. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself, Toby? Where are you from originally, and how did you end up in Singapore? God, thanks, thanks, Keith. Um, originally from um, one of the original expat, expat brat kids, grew up in uh, Hong Kong and uh, school in the UK. I moved uh, back out to Hong Kong about 2003 and via coming nine months here, got married and ended up in Singapore in about 2012. Um, and I've been bike fitting since 2008, which is 10 years, yeah. almost to I think I did a first did a course in about March in the States in 2008. Yeah, it's 10 years. Wow. 
that, that time flies, right? Yeah, time flies when you're having good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of. God, and then when I got way more grey hairs. Um, so I've always been. I've look. I've always been an ex-cat kid. I sort of grew up in, abroad. My old man flew for Cathay Pacific out in Hong Kong. So I've always. I haven't purposely set that at home. That's just always been sort of kind of far east has been sort of based. Um, when I started doing the bike fitting, I started. I was based in Hong Kong at the time, um, and it was purely by accident I got into it. Uh, I was always been involved with sports. Uh, I always in love, you know, love training. I was one of those guys that basically never went down the university route through either lack of education or lack of being able to be educated. And I was always one of the ones that sort of kind of found it out by doing your own thing the other way, if you like. Um, I founded a, I got into sort of triathlon um, and, and cycling in, in, in sort of around, uh, around 2001. Originally, actually, when I, when I left school and bummed around, I trained for a triathlon in Bath in like 1989, 1990. And I read about tapering and my sister worked for a holiday company in Sardinia at the time. So I thought, oh, you know what? I think I need a holiday before this race. I'll go out and go and see her for a couple of weeks, do like staff jobs, whatever. Never came back. Uh-huh. That went from a summer season to a ski season. To, and that was back in 89. So I never really picked up anything. I'd ridden a mountain bike. I'd kicked around the hills of Bath where my mum lived and I was at school and sort of riding a bit of a bike. But I wasn't a pro cyclist or anything. So fast, fast forward 2001. Uh, a mate of mine from school sort of told me about triathlon and said, hey, look, you know, you used to do a lot of swimming and running. You should, you know, you should do it. So I went out and bought everything. I bought the gear, the bike, the whole frigging lot, the silver speed suit, everything. This is about 2003 and signed myself up. And coming from that sort of sports or rugby background where, let's face it, when you're at school, yeah, you play rugby every single weekend and you train, right? So why mm. shouldn't you be able to do the same? Yeah. So uh, and this is, as I said, it was, it was, I was living and working in London. It was about 2001. And I signed up for like a race every single weekend, oh, five Olympic distances, four sprints and a half Ironman. And I was having a beer with my mate who introduced me to her and he goes like, what the fuck are you doing? I was <laughs> like, yeah, I, don't know, I just thought I'd line up some races, James. You know, and he's like, yeah, but you haven't done anything. So oh, yeah, it's like rugby. You know, God, we just grew up playing rugby every weekend. It'd be right. And um, he said, have you done any training? I said, oh, you know, I've kind of like ridden the bike around the park and I've done this. He's like, okay, right, let's, Toby, I'm going to give you advice. Just go and do this race this weekend. It was a sprint down in Eton in the, in the, in the rowing lakes. Just spin it on the bike. Don't, don't do anything clever and just tell you what, we'll have a beer afterwards and then you tell me what you're about <laughs> races. So um, this was May 2000, I think, yeah, May 2001, 2002 or something. Did this sprint race. The weather was really beautiful at the time and sunny turned butt cold. So it was a wetsuit, so it ended up being wetsuit swim, and um, it was freezing. What and was the distance? Oh, it's just a short sprint, so it's like, far, I think it was 500, 750 meter swim, 20K bike, and a 5K run. Right. So you think, yeah, it's fine, yeah, no worries, got this, played enough rugby, run enough, piece of piss, right? So I had this nice silver, fantastic, super duper race suit that some Aussie pro had, and made the first mistake of then being a complete twat, sticking pins on my race um pinning my race number to it and i was like oh bollocks i just spent 120 120 quid on that now i've just gone and put four holes in it oh okay so i got this and um got in the water and i had a wetsuit i'd grown up windsurfing and sailing so for me being in a wetsuit swimming around was no problem and it didn't didn't really bother me i grew up swimming as well so it's kind of like that's yeah, fine um and i was hyperventilating in the water i was like god this is really cool <laughs> got out and it got out as quick as i could i mean i haven't i mean i just like you 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 were so cold that you yeah. increase your speed by about a minute for the t- distance got out got on the bike and i had like the full glasses the full whatever rudy projects the whole lot sure. kit and i'm sitting there spinning away like crazy going and the, and the and the path goes up and down the um the bike path for this race goes up and down the weather rowing bits up and um, I remember this bloke on a mountain bike in city slick tires and a big baggy t-shirt and sort of like rugby shorts, skinny as you like, just cruise past me. <laughs> and there's me just sitting there spinning away, little error bars, the rest of it, goggles looking like, I am the bollocks, this is great. And this bloke just cruises past me. Ah, like, <laughs> oh, right, okay, I see what Jay, my mate James talks yeah. about. Did the run, great, loved it. Um, hung out when I finished the run on a massive heart rate. Sat around the St. John's ambulance trying to bring everything, thinking, oh, I better not get up for five, 10 minutes. 
got back and then realized, well, okay, this is good fun. This is great. Got into it. Realized that doing all the other races was, you know what? So I spent, I emailed like nine race directors. Um, <laughs> yeah, not sorry. sure. Can you yeah. my money back? Yeah, yeah. Um, and as a result, basically in the short term, I'd finished what I'm doing in London, wanted to change the scenery in life. So I moved out back out to Hong Kong. And I hadn't been there since about sort of mid 90s since leaving school and kicking around. So it was about 2003 um, and jumped back into an easiest way was, you know, when you get to somewhere new, it's like, you know, you join sports clubs, whatever. So I joined the local triathlon club, right. got myself into it. I was just kicking around. I was doing dog walking. I was doing a bit of sports training. And from growing up skiing and windsurfing, I had this idea to do a, tri a triathlon clothing company, sort of like Quicksilver, Billabong, that type of thing. And I wanted to do casual based stuff that was t-shirts and designs and hoodies and stuff that was not like in your face. I've just yeah. done Ironman, Iowanka type thing and all the rest of it that goes with it, okay? I've just done, you know, a triathlon and all the distance shirt that people have. And it's great, people get those shirts, it's really good. It's um, a lot of people do those events and hats off to them. But I wanted to try and find something that was like that Quicksilver, Billabong, surf gear type of designs that was uh, embedded in triathlon, but for example, didn't have the in your face, yeah, sure. whatever. Um, for example, we did a design, the first ever um, Ironman was in Hawaii in 1978. I can't remember the exact date, I used to remember it. And we designed a shirt that had a really old, sort of just said Hawaii 78 and it was really old. And so people knew, yeah, yeah, anybody yeah. in Ironman were like, oh yeah, I know what that is. We did another one which was a periodic table taken and turned into like, sort of SW, BK, RN, and T1. It was, looked, looked exactly like, and actually that T-shirt, I remember people just stopped me. Oh, I know what that is. That's a periodic table. And so yeah. there was like designs like we were just trying to do. So I got this going, got a couple of mates, put some money in, thought I'd go to America. And, you know, thought, great, I'll just sell some T-shirts. Well, sure. sort of. The long and short of it was, that led me to meet up with a guy who had a, a big, uh, a massive um, forum. And he also founded ever the first ever wetsuit company uh, called Queer. Uh, so I tried. Yeah. Well, I don't think they were the first ever triathlon wetsuit company. They're called Quintana Roo. They made wetsuits and they made bikes. I'll tell All you a right. funny story about the wetsuits in a minute. Um, and he made the first ever triathlon bike company. Uh, so first ever triathlon bike. So that means the seat post or the seat was positioned further forward. That meant you were further over the pedals, if you like. And you're in that aero position. So in a, in, in a nutshell. And so I buzzed in a typical expat fashion. I buzzed this guy and I was going, I'd spent six months living in the States in Orange County trying to get all this stuff going. And in 2008, I went back and I was just doing three weeks at a time. So I buzzed this guy, Dan, hey, look, can I buy you a beer? And he's like, uh, okay, well, look, you know, I do bike fitting courses as well. Um, I've got a course that weekend, you're in town. I can't really do anything. Why don't you come and come to the course? There's lots of retailers here, right? Mm. And if you've got the clothing business, that'd be brilliant. You can meet 10 or 12 retailers. So I went along, did the course. There was a, Guy who came on the third day, who did lots of aerodynamics. He was brilliant. He's a guy from Texas, a bloke called John Cobb, a real big, larger than life, really good character. And I thought, great, that's cool. Met a few really cool people on the course. Uh, met some people who became friends from life. I mean, there was one guy there that was an uh, undercover LA, uh, undercover cop from uh, Vegas. Was um, he did all the he did all the dark. I mean, I hung out with him and. Yeah, that, I heard some stories. Th that was some stories. Yeah, this guy was like, yeah, it was um, pretty. And there's a few other really nice, interesting people that were all just like, okay, great. So nothing really happened. Did the course, spent three weeks in the States trying to get the business going. Got back to the state, got back to Hong Kong. And a mate of mine said, um, it was around, it was 2008. So there was a big Ironman China going on at the time. And it was the first ever Ironman in China. And lots of guys from Hong Kong were training for it. And my mate said to me, can I buy you lunch? And do you want to have a look at my bike? And I was like, uh, yeah, okay, sounds good, Jason, no worries, that's fine. So he came down, um, put him on the bike trainer, looked at him, sort of fiddled around, yeah, okay, yeah, a bit here, yeah, okay, whatever. And then we went and had a pizza. Didn't hear anything for about another week or so. So that was on a weekend on a Sunday. And out in Hong Kong, with the building at the time of Disneyland, added another 40K. So all the guys would ride around the airport where the new airport where sort of they put Disneyland in or anything else, and they'll do big, long 180K rides. So that was on a Sunday. I didn't hear anything from Jason from about the following week. And it was like, yeah, I mean, it was all cool. And then some emails started coming through. Did you do anything to Jason on his bike? Uh, yeah, why? Shit, I just couldn't keep up with him. Um, used to ride, you know, I ride them and, uh, you know, whatever you've done, can you do it for me? And I'm like, uh, okay, um, right. Um, oh, that's like, oh, bike fit. Okay, right. And at the time I was doing some stuff in the way I lived um, in Hong Kong, little village. It was on the seaside, it was on a beach resort. I was doing training for people. I had 
Um, I'd experienced um, some training with a guy in the States, Brian McKenzie, who does all the CrossFit, uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Power Speed Endurance. And I spent about five, six weeks getting trained by him when I lived there. And it was like, and that was just, as I said, that was 2007 when CrossFit and everything else was kind of like new. I was like, God, this stuff's pretty cool. So when I got back home, I was like, right, um, uh, basketballs. Yeah, let's put sand in those, tape those up. I was making some bars. I was finding ropes from the bar. I was finding any old, any old stuff you can do. So I was doing some... It's like strength and conditioning training or whatever, whatever you want to call it on the beach for sure. the people I lived in. And I was mixing this and then the bike fit came along. And I was always involved and I've always had a love of Pilates through finding myself from injury and stuff. And I was in that little crossroads of like, well, I've got a lot of t-shirts to sell. I've got a bit of, you know, strength and conditioning work or whatever you want to call it. I wish I really, actually, and I really enjoy that. And uh, then the fitting that started to expand. And then after a while, like the shirts, I think there's still about 6,000 T-shirts sitting in a warehouse in America somewhere. Nice. All made out of organic cotton, all sitting, I don't know, they're, God, they're so, many years, so old. Um, and then the strength conditioning Pilates type bits kept going as well as the bike fitting. Sure. And the bike fitting sort of group. And then for me, the body work kind of leads it into the, the bike fitting because you kind of like, you got to a stage where some people are just happy just doing something. And I was always like, yeah, that's not right. Why is this like this? Why is that? Why they're doing this? And I just sort of gradually grew and grew and grew. And I just fitted and fitted and fitted. The more people I saw, the more issues you saw, the more bits you saw. Okay, how can this? Um, did another couple of courses and then just, and, and I think around 2011, I dropped the training because I couldn't balance doing the yeah. two. Um, I thought, you know, and a mate, actually a friend of mine who was, I played rugby with in London in um, 2001, they used to take the piss out of me for wearing lycra and riding, said to me, um, best ever advice was just specialize. Just do, be, be the expert in one thing. Yeah. Don't try and so it's good having the plies background. It's good knowing about the strength and conditioning. That's great. But just be an expert in one thing. And I was like, right, okay. So I just kept going with the bike fitting, um, did another couple of courses, um, so and the courses are on bike fitting itself, yeah they're on bike they're just yeah. like weekend stuff and I was just trying to fill gaps and I thought oh this would be interesting to see where it goes uh, you know I went and did one course in the states for like a weekend and it was like this is bollocks you know so I'm not really learning anything at all um, I f uh, there was a guy down in Australia that uh, I knew of has been bike fitting and doing stuff in the business like 22 years or something right. and I knew he had a neurological like painted and uh, a neurological system or a painted foot system that helps you, that basically allows you to establish the amount of neurological feedback between the foot and the cerebellum yeah. by way of a sort of te muscle testing we do. And I'd been in touch with them for quite a while. It's, um, you have to have three weeks with him. He vets you first. Yeah. He's kind of like really, there's only about eight or nine of us trained in the world or seven or eight of us he trains, he's trained. So it's most courses you do, like let's face it, I can go and do a TRX course and then yeah. next weekend I'm a trainer, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, man. And I've been in gyms like you. I've probably been in there and seen somebody's going, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make you hurt and I'm gonna do, we're going to do another this. And you're like, okay, that's right. Right, okay. That's, and <laughs> they do another course and the next thing you know, they're, they're a great trigger point person or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know? and, and that happens. And, people, uh, uh, and I was constantly never really happy with what I was doing. Yeah. On the bike fitting, I was constantly going, that's not right. Why is this like this? And, you know, sessions would be, you'd say to people, oh, it's an hour. And then three hours later, you're still kind of working on something and you're still never happy. Um, that's, that's probably me mentally as well, in a way that I was always like, right, you know, never, I, I, I like a dog of the bone. I just couldn't. You like to talk? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, just, or just in a way, just like, you just don't want to, yeah. you just don't want to get, yeah, that's not right. Why is it? Um, so eventually in 2000, I think it was, um, 2012, I first played to the guy in Australia, and I went down and saw him in 2015. As I said, he kind of vets you out. Um, there's elements of things like you have to have, you have to give a money back guarantee. So there's only globally, I've researched it. There's probably no more than 12 people that actually physically say on a piece of paper or on their services, I will, I offer a money back if not satisfied guarantee. Yeah, and I'm one of them. And often people sort of overlook that. Um, when they talk about bike fitting and bits and pieces. So I went down and saw this guy in, in March 2015. I had a month with him. And it's you're not, you're not getting taught anymore about being a bike fitter, right? Because when you arrive there, it's like you already know what you're doing. Yeah. Okay? You're not getting taught anymore about satellite or, or whatever else, or anything else. You're just learning about the muscle testing, which we end up, which is this form of, uh, this neurological testing we go and do. Um, and sorry, so yeah, going sorry. up to this point, so in, the, in the courses, because I, I know yeah, sorry. fuck all about bike fitting. Yeah, yeah. 
so what are you learning in these courses as it's like the baseline so, so the, what, what they do is they, there's this kind of um, a very simple sort of setup whereby you're sitting on a bike and somebody's looking at your seat height yeah and they're looking at the position of your a little bit of your knee tracking where the foot's going um, and then where your arms is and that lot. And a lot of people do it by way of uh, what they call an angle. So people will do that. I can't even think of the right word. Let is. me just ask one thing. Yeah. Why would somebody go? So why would somebody yeah. go, I think I need a bike fit. Like what, what's the, what are you solving? What's the problem? Well, good point. Come, yeah, it's easy. Keep, keep to the point. Um, crashes aside, basically all bike issues are overuse training issues. Mm. Okay. Um, or issues addressed on the bike don't you know if they do not come from a crash they come from the fact that either poor position or if you think about the foot it's clipped into a pedal okay every time you do a revolution if that's wrong in the pedal or something's going wrong or it's not set correctly to where your foot your hip is it's an overuse injury right yeah sure that's it from the foot to the knee to the hip up the connect chain whatever okay so why would somebody want a bike fit well basically you're sitting on a saddle you're sitting on a bike your foot's clipped in you're pedaling away now if you're riding a bike with toe clips or cages you don't really need to worry too much because there's no clips in but if you start clipping a foot in and you're sitting on a bike and you're doing more than one pedal stroke you're opening yourself to injuries yeah okay straight up because your foot's clipped in um the body as we know is People are strong on one side versus the other. People have got, it. let's face it, you know, no be symmetrical. Mm. So you're taking a non-symmetrical object, which is you, and you're putting it on a symmetrical object, which is a bicycle, which is a recipe for injuries, niggles, and all the rest of it. Now, unfortunately, in the cycling world, everyone's also got this secondary idea that cycling is meant to be pain. Yeah, well, look, you know, it's pain climbing the hill, and I'm in pain because, you know, I'm on my threshold and the rest of it. So there's a big, there's a big disparity between what is somebody coming away going, hey, my muscles are sore or my body's sore from a hard ride versus my actual body is sore because my position is fucked. Yeah. So, and the world of bike fitting is very vague, if you like. Give you an idea. Two guys are standing in a group of people, okay? And they both work in finance, right? And I don't know, let's say you've got two clients and they both tell you they work in finance. One guy works changing money down at the airport, okay, for Western Union. The other bloke works in one of the trade towers dealing in millions of dollars for one of the banks. Sure. But they both work in finance. Yeah. And it's almost same as like sort of sports, but the sort of fitting, bike fitting becomes very much similar. Uh, a lot of people will just see bike fitting as just like, okay, it's the guy in the shop and he's just looked to me and he's just looked at where my leg is and he's just looked whether, you know, or people have a rule, they'll say, uh, your nose needs to be in line with the stem of the bike. Or the, the, yeah, little yeah, bits yeah, like yeah. that, right? Um, Whereas then you come to somebody like sort of I do, which is almost like you pick the whole thing apart and start and you basically, all my work is fundamentally neurological from the ground up to the foot. That's it. So bike fitting to some people will be looking at you, positioning on the bike to where your body is, where your arm is. Is it stretched too far? Is it stretched to others? Some of these courses will get you measuring the body angle. So they'll measure your angle of your elbow, which is actually has no has no relevance because right. it's like what is the angle to is it to horizontal is it to and where is that going from so and as far as your arms concerned or say your body or your neck position if it's all gone wrong from the feet it doesn't matter what the fuck you do up up above yeah. if, if it's all wrong from the foot and the, the pelvis and the feet if that's wrong everything else is sort of sure. sort of goes out so what a lot of these courses and all the stuff do people would just take a manual um let's use trx example and i know um I know Ross Ethorn, who does all the TRX training in Asia, is a really great guy. I did a TRX course uh, 2012. But let's face it, when you look at some of the courses, you go there, you get a manual. And any a lot of these weekend courses, not just, I'm, and I'm using TRX as an example, um, but a lot of these courses you go to, you get a manual, and that'll just be like, this is what you do, and you make sure the client does this, and you turn, and those bike fitting courses are the same very thing. They're designed really to get somebody through either for a shop. So if you own a shop, you go, great, well, we can charge $100 by just having somebody spend half an hour with this guy, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but when I come, when, when it comes to something like myself and a few other guys, what I call advanced bike fitting, when you're looking at everything neurologically, it's a whole new ballgame. Um, because you're looking at so the foot from the ground up, everything goes based on what the foot is doing, and everything comes from the fact that neurologically, um, it, it, it's tying up, it's tying up the foot neurologically. So the proprioceps and the feet are connected to the pedal 
um, have, with the right amount of medial support. And medial support by means a wedge or a sh um, one degree support, two degrees on the sure. inside of the foot. So there's a whole, it's a whole really gray area. Somebody will be riding their bike and go, oh, I've had a bike fit and it'll be one of these people in the shops around here. And then somebody will be next to, you know, be one of my clients might be riding and going to have a bike fit. But everyone has got this different sort of, facing with trainers as well, if you like. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the courses really just are basic anatomy, basic look, um, use this joint to mark this, if this is okay. And this is, and, 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 and really it doesn't, and I'd been on those courses. I've got those manuals. I've got a manuals for quite a lot of the bike fitting world that's out mm. there. And uh, including a lot of the motion capture stuff, which I've seen, or people using videos. And you're like, <laughs> look, if you need to use a video, then your eyes aren't working, right? Yeah. I mean, there are bits where I'm sure you guys know with the training, you can sometimes go, you know what? I just want to video that guy just to double check myself. But if you're videoing people to look at what you're doing, yeah then you really have got problems sort of sort of yeah. straight if you can't see sometimes i mean there was i think it was a really good bit i saw the other day of an article the bloke said don't look at the muscle look at the body or don't look at the sort of so it's very much similar you know you can you know come on in and you so there's a lot of so there's so much out there such a big gray area of people using cameras people using sort of uh motion capture systems and all the rest of it uh and then from that is for example my pri my my bike fit is um aside the money back guarantee i do uh my sessions are four four five hours basically it's as long as it takes to get you yeah, right sure. what does a session look like like what would you do um, with somebody? and it's sorry i say it's two two and a half thousand dirhams to two thousand four hundred dirhams okay mm. granted i have to fly in from singapore so my costs here will always be a little bit higher than where singapore is but you can go and get a, a bike fit for somebody down the road 500 dirhams yeah and it's like, and then you'll go away going, oh, I've had a bike fit, I must be okay. So you'll be sure. sitting on your saddle. Uh, and the other, for example, side of Minton, um, go on, Keith. Um, you say, say, for example, say, and I use saddles, for example. So people sit on a saddle and they think, yeah, my bum's sore, this is going wrong, all the rest of it. And it could be from the feet. There's no correct support from the feet, which mm. means the saddle's wrong. So people, I get people come to me and they've bought nine or 10 saddles. They've been through so many saddles because it's not right. And it actually is the feet that are wrong. Or the, on the other end of the spectrum, a lot of people will just go, yeah, I tried this saddle. I tried that. I tried the other. There is no trying a saddle. A saddle has a purpose. And that purpose is to stabilize the pelvis, to allow correct muscle recruitment and help with pelvic rotation. And if a saddle's not doing that, it's not the right thing. But a lot of people will just go, I'll try this. I'll try the other. So there's a whole view of how you look upon it, if you like. In, I suppose in a way you could use it the same thing of training you will take somebody on a squat but if you break down that squat you're going to see so much difference mm. and so much more than just getting somebody a squat yeah. in, in some yeah it's interesting so it's, um, I remember I went cycling once with the it was a charity thing I never get on a bike I don't cycle at all it was exactly. a charity event one morning we went up to Alcudra just just to rent a bikes and off we went and I was dreading it I was hating I was thinking god this is gonna be the most painful thing ever I'll, you know everything's yeah. gonna be sore went out bought the shorts with the little cushion in the in the It'll thing really I, i've only worn them one other time than this but got on the bike and i don't know what it was it was just a rented bike off the shelf but it must have been just right yeah. because i had no pain the whole way around whereas all the rest of the guys i mean we're all big rugby players yeah, yeah. we're not cyclists and uh I all the rest of guys were complaining about pain here. You know, my glutes are sore. They're all sitting on one cheek halfway yeah, around, yep. sitting on the other cheek halfway around. Obviously, it's because everyone's bike is just off the shelf. Yeah, None of yeah. us own our own bikes. But for me, I was I loved it. I was really enjoyed it. I was flying, and then I went back one other time after that, and I absolutely hated. It. I just thought it was the most boring thing ever. But but what really interested me was the fact that. I didn't feel one ounce of pain in my first day cycling. And I figured wow. it was not to do that I'm a gifted cyclist or anything to do with my leg power. It was just whatever way that guy gave me the bike. Yeah. The, the size of the bike they put you on was they, probably just potluck that it was yeah. pretty cool. Whereas yeah. one of your mates would yeah. have, would have, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was yeah. a bit of potluck on. And also the other one is the body is really adaptive. It will find the least path of resistance. Um, if you like, the way I can describe that is take a leak in the ceiling. Okay, you ask a plumber and the leak comes from that corner. Yeah. But the bathroom in the room is over there. It will always find its least path of resistance gap. And then where the body is a similar thing. The body will adapt. So whether you're in pain or not, or the position's bad on the bike, the body will adapt to sort of its, its, least, its, 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 
yeah, how can I describe? Yeah, it'll adapt to a way by going, right, I'll make this the most comfortable I can. So that could mean it will tilt the pelvis. It could mean it will shift on one side versus the other. So you might feel comfortable. I'm not using you as an yeah, example, yeah. but somebody might feel comfortable on the bike, but that's because the body's adapted to what they need to go sort of to, to, to compensate. Yeah, it yeah, compensates sure. more than anything else. Um, and 20 years down the line, maybe they end up with an injury or whatever. Yeah, yeah, else. totally. Yeah, 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 totally. And as I said, I mean, you know, you know crashes aside, basically cycling is overuse injuries. That's yeah. it. As soon as your foot's clipped into a pedal. The sessions I do, um, I said four or five hours, I generally, you know, I say to people four or five hours simply because it just gives me enough time. Um, there's always a there's always a start of the session, have a chat, get an idea about their bike, their riding, their style, their history, uh, what operations have I had, bits and pieces, trying to build up a bit of a profile. And same time as you want to also gel and create, like, if you like, a relationship with, yeah. with somebody because you've got, A, a long time, and secondly, you know, you just don't want to sort of come across you know, you, you want to, you want that person to relax. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse than, and I've seen, you know, you're looking at somebody's hip internal, external rotation and they just won't move their body. Yeah. And because they're so like, they're not relaxed. Yeah. So, so you almost like, you just got a same thing with hip flexion. You know, so you lie on the ground on the mat and you're pushing the hip up and they just relax your hip, mate, relax your hip. Yeah. And they're like gripped up. Yeah, and yeah. so there's a, there's a good, maybe it is, I don't know, half an hour that sit there. And what are your injuries? What's going on with your current bike? Some guys talking about what races you're doing. The races aren't that important, but I find that when you're chatting to, say, like a triathlete and they're telling you what races they're doing and plan, it helps them relax. And actually, this guy in the States years ago gave me um, the first course I ever did, this American um, guy that came on the third day, this bloke called John Cobb, said to me, oh, when I start my sessions, I just sort of stand there and I measure people, right? You know, across the shoulders, the arm. I said, oh, he said, I'm actually not doing anything. I'm doing bugger all, but I'm making them feel really relaxed. And yeah, he said sure. that. And I was like, yeah, that was the best piece of advice I ever had. Because <laughs> once you've got somebody in a session and so you find that first bit, if you ask them about their racing, it's actually not really paramount to what I'm doing. Yeah. What they go and do, how many races they go and sign up to them, it is. And they want to explain it, but it also helps them relax. Yeah. Um, so you've got anywhere from half an hour to 20, 20, 30 minutes. You might look at the bike, set, put the bike on the trainer. I'll walk them through and say, this is what we're doing during the session. Um, so we go through the, and then I will have a, um, I'll mark some stuff on their feet to get an idea where their bones are and their feet are in relation to the shoes, in relation to the spindle. And I'll put them up on the bike and um, I'll do an on-bike assessment. So I'll have a look at them on how they are. Now, I use a bike trainer that moves from side to side. Right. So most, pretty much all bike fitters I know, a lot of them, and I'm talking about a lot. I mean, pretty much I don't know anybody who uses a trainer like myself. Yeah. Uses a fixed trainer. So when you go on the bike, it's like being on a gym trainer. And they sit you on the bike. The trainer's fixed. The bike doesn't move. Yeah. So any movements coming won't be highlighted. Yeah. I've got a trainer that moves side to side. The instance you put on it and something leans to the right, guess where the problem is coming from. Yeah. Or enables you to see more. Yeah. So, And that's not me being boastful. That's just me going... How can I see more? Well, the way I can see more is using a trainer that moves side to side. So when a client does get on the bike and they go, oh my God, I'm leaning to the right or the bike's moving. The bike isn't moving, you're moving. You're in your um, physical limitations and the issues you've got are creating that movement. So actually, in fact, I find that really helps. And by the time you finish the session and the bike, they go, oh my God, the bike's, the bike's not moving anymore. Yeah, that's because we've sort of sort of built you up from the, um, the ground up. So I'll look at somebody on a, an on-bike assessment, what's working, what's not. Um, I look at glute recruitment, um, which is obviously pretty key. Um, let's face it, the glutes are the biggest muscle in the body, right? Sure. If you're not using them on the bike, well, yeah. something's going on. So a lot of people end up quad dominant. And everyone comes away going, oh, yeah, my quads are, you know, I've just been for a big ride. My quads are burning up. My quads are, well, if, you, if your quads are like that, you've got big problems. Because if you look at a lot of people here as cyclists, and I see a lot of people as clients, if you're cycling as much as some is and your glutes are recruiting, the glutes should be big, right? Yeah. But if your butt's small and your quads are big, something's going wrong. That's pretty much every single cyclist I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so I look at I look at recruitment. I look at pelvic stability on the saddle. What's working? I'll dig my fingers. In. And the only way you can do that is, um, and it, uh, uh, um, you know, look, you dig your fingers into the muscle to find out as it was working. Yeah, and squeeze some butts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and fingers goes in the butts. Now, I always have a bit of a laugh about it. Clients go, okay, what are you doing? And you dig your fingers in. I look at hip flexion. Um, how, how tight the hip flexors are. When you look at the body as well, you can see muscles not working. You can see a muscle being overstretched. You can see somebody's calf just ripped up or you can see 
the back of the knee on the downward stroke on the pedal. When you're looking behind, if there's something's going on in the hammy, you can see almost that flicker. Mm-hmm. If you like coming from the back, if you're a bike fitter and you want to find out, then go and have a look. Use your eyes and just open them, and you'll you'll see. But it's it's like you just look at that, and you can start seeing those bits. You look at where the body is, and so there's another 10, 15 minutes on that, and then I start breaking them down. Uh, neurologically, I'll start from the feet, work my way up. What's going on? Where's the foot on the pedal? And then I'll do a, a, a new. Uh, I'll basically neurologically start from the foot, and which which is basically establishing how much neurological feedback the foot needs to create the right amount of pro- feedback between the proprioceptors and the foot and the cerebellum in your brain, which is advanced and which is basically neurological fitness. It's yeah. not clever. It's basically establishing how much medial support, as in um, uh, uh, support in, uh, externally to the foot, the foot needs. So the proprioceptors in the feet are speaking to the brain because that's basic. Because if you, if I ask you to push on the pedal, right, that comes from the brain. It doesn't come from anything else. You're not, you're not telling your body which uh, muscles to enlist, if you like, and recruit. Yeah. Once the feet have established, as in, once I've established how much of that neurological support is needed by this, by medial, uh, how, how much medial support, I can then go back up through the chain and say, right, now we get you on the bike. Now we look at where your foot is, fore and aft, as in where your metatarsal joint is in relation to the spindle. That has a massive effect on the pedal. If the foot's too, if the spindle's too close, or if your foot, if you think about you stepping up on a ledge, right? Mm. Put your foot on the ledge really far behind and try and stand up. You start gripping through the toes, the arch changes. Then maybe move your foot a little bit further forward and feel the stability in the ankle and feel the muscles. And it's a very similar thing. So we're looking at, and everyone's feet are different. I get some people who have got feet 12 mil difference. Mm. Some people's joints are two or three. So then you've got to set the pedals from there. And once you've set the footwork, you can then work through and then back on the bike. And then these back forwards, back forwards, set, measure, remeasure, check, mark, back up. Once the feet are dialed in, then we can go and say what's going on in the pelvis. And then you work your way up the pelvis. And then from the pelvis to the very end, you end up the front. And it's a complete, it, it's a complete process. But I mean, a lot of my, tell you what, a lot of my engineers, architects, they get it. Absolutely, they because yeah. their world is, building buildings from the ground up sure every building's built up with solid foundations and with putting so they get that where they oh of course yeah we go from the feet that's really really great yeah um uh, and that's it so you see you just like you've you've got to start from the foot you go from the foot up the pelvis and you just and that part of that work the meatiness there's a little bit of bike work i do looking at people's internal external rotation if i feel i need to see somebody's core sort of like let's have a test of what works uh, quad, quad, uh, whatever it's Superman, quadruple. You know the. I used to do the FMS test. Now yeah. I break it down and maybe do a couple of things from the FMS. The whatever I can't think. The all fours kneeling, yeah, yeah. and you could see somebody's. You get an idea where their glutes strong or weaker. One side compensating. You think great. Well, I get on the bike. Hamstring flexibility. That's key. Mm. So if you've got a really tight hamstring on the right, is it coming from any compensation from the left, or is it coming from a problem on the left, or is it coming from actually it is tight on the right, and then we have to compensate via for example shimming which is a thick piece of plastic that goes between the cleat and the shoe so if you're tighter on one side and the other you're going to extend differently on one side and the other sure if you don't address that difference then you're going to get pulled and that pelvis will rotate yeah so there's a whole sort of there's a lot of meatiness back forward back forward on the bike off the bike get off remeasure when i say remeasure for me it's like i measure the joints on the shoes where people are i'm not measuring angles i don't look at any angle of a body i look at what's going on with the muscles do you take uh, like power measurements and things no nah, no nah, because it's irrelevant if you try and do power stuff then you've got to have people warmed up to the right level then you've got to do a whole complete and you waste your time doing power secondly if they've not slept or they've had a hard training session it's going to affect it sure. i get a lot of guys who have power meters that then afterwards will go back and some people have said hey look i've noticed a seven percent increase some people have said i've noticed a 30 percent I don't really record the numbers because I find it's not, it's not, you could do it, but to do it properly, you'd have to have like a couple of days yeah. more into some sleep pattern. Then you get a load of warm up, making sure they're not trained before. Then, then the, the session becomes based around power as opposed to, anything. but if you've got the muscles recruiting correctly, let's supposing somebody's not using their glutes correctly and then they use their glutes after, of course the power's going to go up yeah. because they're using the biggest muscle in the body. And their muscles are balanced. So if you come in, see me, and your position's wrong, and you're using too much, you're too strained with the calf, your foot's almost like uh, toe dipping in the water, if mm. you like. So it's really sort of like foot's down like this angle, and your position's not correct. 
well, it's like me asking you to do a squat on a bed of pebbles. Yeah. It's going to be wrong anyway, no matter what I go and do. So whatever we try and do on corrective exercises, if it's unbalanced, it's going to be unbalanced. So the power stuff, nah, it's, sure. it's, I, I kind of think it's a waste of, it's not a waste of time. It's not practical to what you're doing. Um, yeah. and, mo and, and most people, when they do get back on the bike and you start changing, they go, oh my God, that feels so much smoother. That feels easier. Or when they get out riding, they go, oh God. So to me, it's not giving people more power. What it's doing is, what I want to do is give people more efficiency. So if you're, if you're riding around, whatever it is here, our Navasheba, I think it's our Quadra and those, and you get a bike, right? And you're riding along and you average 33K. And whatever effort that means, when you go back after fit, you still do 33K average. But the efficiency you're using your muscles is greater. And actually, effectively, you're saving yourself 20% to 25%. That's the key. Yeah. Most people think, I'm going to put an outboard engine on them and they're going to make them from 35K to 45K. Doesn't happen. Um, I generally see that in Singapore more. Everyone's got an idea you're going to put a motor on the bike yeah. and make you magically faster. There is no magic dust. It doesn't. What it does is if you can, you create somebody so they're more efficient. So if you're still getting the same speed, you're more efficient with that speed. Uh, if Well, yeah, you're more efficient with the speed. Have I said that right? Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's the power measuring. No, it, it's, it has, for me, it has no purpose. Um, and it's too complicated. Sleep patterns, training patterns to really do it correctly. That's what you got to do. And I spoke to a sports science friend about it years ago. And he was like, yeah, you, you know, you've really got to monitor somebody pre correctly in order to do that. And AI, AIS, Australian Institute of Sport, all those guys, top cyclists, they can do that because that's their career, right? Yeah. You know, average Joe comes in, sort of works a bit and wants to cycle a bit. You, can, he, 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 he maybe travels a lot. You've got, and I'm sure you guys got cl clients to jump on a plane. Trying sure. to measure a power number like that will do something. It, it's it almost the same with the nutrition. It's trying to maybe, if you're trying to measure somebody's nutrition and look at what they're eating when they're traveling a lot, you know it's going to be out. Yeah. So it's going to be relevant. So it's, it's, it's not. So talk a little bit about yeah. the magnets that you use as well. Like how does that fit in? Because I sat in on one of your sessions with one yeah, of our yeah. clients and all of a sudden you whipped out a drill, spun around his shoulder, spun around his hips, spun around his, his, his eyes yeah. and then got back on his pelvis rebalanced. You're speaking about Mr. Zappy Zappy, the otherwise known as the Bulgarian MRI machine. The, yeah, the, that is a, it's, yeah, ball. it's, that's, that's, that's the thing that gets me in trouble every time I come through customs. It's basically, I've got a couple of um, bits I use. One is a magnet in a, it's a, a, the, Mr. Zappy Zappy is electric screwdriver with a sofa leg in and four rod magnets pushed into the sofa leg right. so it's basically and like a like a like a black and decker power black and decker power yeah. thing and there's yeah. a lump of wood on the end that spins, and, yes. spins and yeah, yeah and you just press it and off you go so that <laughs> yeah. enables me to so that's one thing then i've got um i have a magnet i use uh for baseline testing on my neurological te uh, on, on my neurological stuff as far as the magnet's concerned and i'm i'm just trying to make sure i don't go off record here because i'm trying to think what i can and can't because you say I use the magnets to help re alleviate a couple of things. One is a lateral pelvic tilt. Um, I won't go any further than that, saying a magnet used on the body, which in this case is a rod magnet, um, used over somebody's, used on a certain part of the body, in this case I'm going to say the eye, um, used on the eye, re-establishes, uh, it can be used to, re well, it is used to re-establish a lateral pelvic tilt. Now, we're not talking about over-rotation, we're about a lateral pelvic tilt, and everyone has a lateral pelvic tilt. We were obviously doing that earlier with, with yeah, Matt. Yeah, we well, might okay. have a little turn of it earlier. Yeah, have a little turn in it. So, I use the magnet in one thing to re-establish that pelvic, um, pelvic tilt. So that is, if you like, created by visual interference, which is um, visual interference coming from your eye, right? Linked to your cerebellum, so it's easier to almost stop there is what I can probably yeah. can say. Okay? Yeah, yeah. The other form of um, stuff I use the magnets for is to reestablish proprioceptive clarity around the body. Anywhere there's a deficit between the proprioceptors in the body and your cerebellum, that is neurologically going to clean you out. Now, it's not going to make you 10 seconds faster. Mm. It's not going to go increase speed. But what it is going to do is making sure on a neurological level, all the proprioceptors in and around the body are speaking to each other, which is effectively neurological yeah it's neuro like neurological not neurological bike fitting it's neurologically giving you a clean out yeah, okay? yeah just, just to explain um, so just for that because you said yeah. throwing that word around the neurological training is almost just improving the nervous system yes absolutely. improving yeah, yeah. the act improving almost like a if you imagine like a dull copper wire 
um, trying to send electrical current. You're just fine-tuning yeah. the copper wire to make it more conductive. Absolutely, yeah. So when you kind of mention the neurological s- signals from the feet up to the brain, you're just improving that signal um, journey, the speed, the efficacy, so that the, the brain can better adapt to where the foot is. Yeah, you've, you're, well, it's, it's, you're improving that signal full stop. Basically, on a proprioceptive level, We've lost clarity. There's a various amounts of testing and bits of what I do with clients, but on a proprioceptive level, we've lost clarity between our feet, as basically as evolution's going. That's on a pro. That's between the proprioceptors in your feet and the cerebellum. Okay, now that's in a, in a that's that's you standing, and there's a test I go and do to establish. And when I say, I mean, you can still walk and run. We're just talking about you talking about high level stuff. We're talking about high level yeah, stuff. So, so the so proprioceptors you, yeah. are the are the parts of Sorry, the tissue in the feet, kind of the yeah. ligaments and fascia, yeah. that and um, muscles so as well that tell the brain where the foot is. So if you're standing on a slant, the proprioceptors are the things that feel the the, the new position of the foot, and they tell the brain that you you're standing and you need to adapt to the position. Yeah. Or if you're on a slippery surface, or if you're on a wobble cushion, that's when you just to do, just explain to people that's what the proprioceptors are. They're the ones that tell the brain where the foot is or where the body is in space. And there's about a billion signals. The, the, the cerebellum receives a billion, billion, about a billion signals a second from the proprioceptors coming in and out, in, all through the body, up to the brain, okay? Opposite of cerebellum, which is like your higher order of yourself, uh, not your higher self. It's like your, your subconscious. Yeah. Um, your, your, it's almost like the cerebellum is your captain of your ship, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's waking everything go the way you want to go, and you just sort of direct yourself. Um, out of these proprioceptors, out of the billion or so signals a second, 2,000 get through. Right. Right, only two thousand. Every single signal gets coming through. Get, get uh, comes through. So over time in evolution, the cerebellum has created like a hierarchy system. Any time there's force generated in the lower part of the body, it will give that higher priority task. It will give a higher priority signal than anything else. So part of my work and based around this neurological um, work is to establish, to re-establish with the feet. Well, yeah, re-establish with the feet the right amount of connection the feet needs to the, the cerebellum to the brain yeah. so when you're pushing on the pedal those signals through the wires if you like whatever um some guys in fiber you know if you think about things as like a fiber optic cable everything's talking yeah. to that it goes through right the signals are working as you said if it's if you take a we've dumbed it down now quite yeah. a lot in the last however many hundred years which oh, yeah, yeah 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 we've lost we've over evolution we've basically lost contact with the proprioceptors in the feet yeah. we've, bec- we've you know we've evolved the planet earth connected through our feet but our proprioceptive clarity is kind of started to sort of dull diminish, down yeah, diminished yeah. a bit well, we pack them away in shoes and socks yeah and absolutely yeah yeah Partly that and we walk on nice flat smooth yeah, surfaces yeah. on footpaths yeah. and roads and tiles yeah, and yeah. carpets i mean the, the way the way i can just the way i can describe it when it relates to bike fitting is and this is there is um i i do neurological testing which establishes the right amount of proprioceptive feedback that you need to put not to push on the pedal to have that clarity between the cerebellum and the uh, and the foot now, as far as that, what does it feel like? The only way I can give you feedback on that is, and this is for my own self having the bike feeling done me, is you feel like your foot is part of the pedal. Mm. You feel like your body is part of the bike. You feel, and I'm only using what clients say. Now, obviously, people can go away from another bike fit. So anywhere you go from a bike fit, and if your seat's too low or seat's high and somebody makes a micro adjustment, of course, it's going to feel better. It's like a sure. placebo effect. Any client that I've worked with, or every client, um, Andrew, use, you know, use the Andrew example, you just... When they've got that right set up on the foot, on the pedal, fore and aft, but yeah. more importantly, the neurological connection, the only way I can describe it is people just feel like their foot is part of the pedal. Yeah. And that's, the, and, and I cannot, I cannot digress any further. I cannot like, so you could still feel comfortable on the bike. Lots of people will go and ride and feel comfortable. Lots of people go and ride and they feel their feet tingle or there lots of people go and ride and feel, yeah, I feel okay. And I mean, people will come to me and go, yeah, in, in an interview, they'll, yeah, I feel good. And then you think, yeah, there's something else going on. Then you get on the bike and realize their version of what they feel good is yeah. totally out of the way. But the only way I can describe that on to, to, to give feedback on that neurological side is say people just feel like their foot is part of the pedal and, and fixed. And that's the only way I can give that. It's, it's that, that connection is so key and that work I do enables that. The, the only way I can describe it is you just feel like it's connected. Uh, always part of one. Yeah, you get a similar uh, sort of sensation when you get like a proper running shoe, like a custom-made running shoe or something. You yeah, just feel just like it feels like molded into. Yeah, the you shoe. feel, feel, feel molded. Yeah, but as you say, I mean, we've 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 dumbed down our feet also so much by wearing yeah. shoes or the rest of it. Um, I mean, on my know, feet. I spoke this before. My feet are 
unbelievably sensitive to any sort of sharpness. Yeah. Um, I can't walk on uneven surfaces because I've dumbed down my feet to the point that any change is like a painful change. You know, it's like That's a painful, yeah. super sensitive. Feet feels tight. If I'm walking across, if I'm walking out into the ocean, you know, when you walk to a little bit of sandy yeah, yeah. shells, it's embarrassing. Really? Because my feet are, so, they're so, they've been so pampered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In soft shoes, flat surfaces. I never walked around as a kid. I don't wear flip-flops. That when I go, oh, up don't wear flip flops. Flip flops are terrible. Anything that changes, except for a flat surface, just sends so much like uncomfortable feelings to my brain because they're just not used to it. Really? Wow. Um, like just very, very sympathetic, like yeah. sensitive feet. Right. Don't go to Hong Kong or Singapore, anywhere in Asia. You know they've got those. Um, you know they've got the little massaging pebbles oh, they yeah, put on the yeah. floor that make you that you can walk across in all the yeah 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 don't what go don't this? go anywhere there Keith you'll what be in, like just gravel just a big gravel pathway and you walk across it in barefoot but for like for ages like it runs along the side of the path for treatment it's, don't know it's, you just go on it like you know so like, you, you see a lot of places like Hong Kong Singapore these other places they'll have these little community sections where they'll have some like hanging bars I think I might have sent you a picture down the road from yeah, where we yeah, are yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Hanging bars, they have a couple of like sort of bits where you sit on those chairs and pull backwards and forwards. And they'll often find you'll find more so in Hong Kong than anything else. They'll have the like a little sort of strip section of two, two or three, if you like, um, uh, barriers. And they'll be the they'll put like smooth pebbles in concrete or less for you to walk over. Oh, okay. And you'll find a little 90 year old Chinese lady just like casually just walking on, the rest of it. Um, stay, and it helps with the obviously the you know it helps. With the I wouldn't mind that. It's pretty That's cool. What yeah. I need. It, I need some of that. I need my feet. It's, so it, it's, like, it's not I like walking. It's not like walking on Lego, but it's more like it's meant oh. to be like oh, it's tough on the old feet. It's yeah, good. it's um, it's a similar sensation than walking on Lego. They're like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I was there doing it in Korea, and I was I was staying with the family at the time, and I was there with the daughter. She's like six. She was quite happy running up and down, and I'm there just like yeah, that's you know, me. Hot coals, like Jesus. yeah. <laughs> but it's been so if you look at it we've been misled one minute we're all running around, meant to be running around in vibrams doing barefoot and the other thing not and we've lived i mean you know here people you know l let's face it i mean i I, don't, I now avoid i just don't wear flip-flops anymore i from years ago when i was introduced to kelly starrett stuff and started following him yeah. he's like you know that this was going back to 2007 it was like yeah right been the flip-flops that now nah, nah, not you know i would i would have maybe a pair that i would go from where I lived, home, round the corner to the bar or the beach, it, you know, 10 yeah, yards, 20 yeah. yards. Otherwise, it's like, and I've noticed over time that what in shoes I could fit into, now I can't. So I wear Merrells that have got a wider toe box. Sure. But many years ago, if I think of, if I get my smart shoes out, I can't get in them anymore. Yeah. But I think over time, your feet will just genuinely, you can almost not retrain them, but you, the more you walk around in bare feet, yeah. the more you can sort of just, um, um, the more that foot's going to expand a little bit. I, I try and walk on the sand as much as I can. If, 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 yeah. But feet-wise, yeah, we've, we've screwed the feet up massively. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and if we're not going to be Guilty barefoot, it's like, do we do a heel lift? Do we do this lift? Do we do that? Do we the other? You know, what do we, what do we, you know, what do we, what do we go and do? And, and if we're, if we're, squatting in barefoot is it right should we not do this it's 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 like but we've taken away so much from from the feet if you like yeah um people definitely jump in the deep end on that though like to, yeah, uh, uh, probably to their detriment like the yeah yeah i think there's there a couple of research papers they're talking about people uh doing weightlifting in bare feet and they're just smashing their arches up in their feet and they're, they're actually causing like flat-footedness i'm not surprised yeah yeah i mean i think to a level you can do stuff right in you know i think doing weight training to a level of adding a certain amount of weight yeah getting people with better feet act is great if you look at there's a fun if you, i mean if you know let's face it you go to pilates studio find me a shoes they're all by the door sure okay and if you are standing on your feet or if you do any calf raises you're still got weight because you've got body weight right mm. but i agree having where's that there that level where you start adding too much weight is is yeah. is, is totally i mean that exercise you gave me many um i i, I saw you keith i think um I came and we did a session a couple of months ago. Summertime, was it? Summertime, yeah. And it was that bit, I think you had Andrew doing it as well, walking on your tiptoes, coming through, um, yeah, staying up on your tiptoes, walking through, um, and then, yeah, arms out to the side, standing sort of like, so you just basically, yeah. I know what you're talking um, about. Yeah, you, yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't, I'm not articulating really well. Uh, uh, the so one, you, this, it's, I don't even know what it's called because... The, difficult the, the, the c-shape <laughs> c stuff where you, yeah, yeah. you lean you tip you step forward but you tip your toe you lean yeah back. yeah yeah that's right yeah, yeah. and, you, and you've got that you've got the work the foot and then you've got that work through 
the glute as well. Yeah, and then as soon as you get that, your glute and then you sort of, oh God, and it's so difficult. It's similar to so, that stuff we did with. Uh, I, think, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's a bit too hard to explain. Yeah, Paul yeah. Emerson, the great. But, but if you yeah. look at the, 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 the simpleness of that, but how difficult it is, yeah. is just fundamentally, you know, and, and that's using just your own body weight. Um, For anybody listening, you can look it up. It's they're sort of like from the Gary Gray Institute. It's very difficult to explain because there's not actually a name for it. It's a completely sort of, uh, would you call it abstract way or just a, abstract just, way? Yeah, just a, looking at the body and and all in one movement rather than. Uh, push, pull, twist, rotate. Yeah. It's like stretching all the structures in your anterior train, your posterior chain. Look it up if, if you have access to the internet now, just the Gary Gray Institute and some of his movement drills. But even if you just go and try next time you're in the gym, go up on tippy toes and then walk like armed out to the side and walk on tippy toes, just like staying up and then and, and just do not massive steps, but you know, like whatever, yeah. six inch step. That's that's fundamentally that's really that's that's tough, right? Yeah. People suck at it. I get people suck, a lot yeah, of my yeah. clients doing it. Like yeah. anybody who does any sort of court based sport or any sort of running, and they are awful when they do it. Yeah, Some the just feet. physically can't. They yeah, physically yeah, yeah. Can't do it. Yeah, it, it, and and that's just simple. A lot of it. Time. A lot of it is what you're going all the way back full circle to the neurological standpoint yeah. that they're just they're the brain's not sending the signal to the right parts of the, the lower leg to control the joints yeah. in the foot because we don't have to. We just heel strike, move forward, push off, heel strike, move forward, push off, as opposed to walking across logs and kind of through we're forests. Sitting our, we're sitting on our asses. Yeah. There's not and then we turn everything off. I mean, I'd love to sit there and tell everybody here we're at stand-up desks and being really healthy at a smoothie bar, but let's face it, it's like we're sitting down, right? And as soon yeah. as you sit down, yeah. you start turning off. Well, I don't, I don't, I personally don't agree the word is turning off. People come and see me and start telling me, oh, my glutes don't work. and Things don't work. Signals to make it work doesn't happen. Yeah, in my yeah. The, so, yeah, yeah. This, the, the, so people the, come from a physio, oh, so-and-so's told me, you know, like... Uh, my, my, my glutes not working eh, it doesn't not work the signal yeah or, sometimes you know, the language is quite yeah, powerful yeah, the isn't language it? yeah or say in the bike fitting world you've got a saddle a saddle of can have a negative effect mm. um, on how you're sitting um, the only way I can describe it is I use a certain type of saddle uh, made by an Italian company they're very sort of cur- they've got a great curvature in them and it's like sitting in a horse saddle okay sure. if you're sitting on a you know on, 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 on horse riding you take some saddles that are kind of flat or different and if you're not sitting on it correctly, you'll be sitting on like a church pew, bouncing your ass everywhere, as opposed to being held in the saddle. That will have a negative effect on your muscles. So even though I might have, in, in, let's say in instance of me, I've neurologically turned on what I have on your feet, if the saddle is still wrong, mm. it will still make your glutes not fire. And by changing, not the signal, but by changing just the, um, not the comfort, I can't think of the right word to use, but basically you can turn stuff off if yeah. you like. So, so, as I said, so I find that you say, you know, that, that powerful use of the words of people saying, oh, yeah, things don't work. No, they don't not work. It's just the signal term. So yeah. when you're sitting there and we're like covering our feet, doing what we're doing, we're sitting on our asses. All we're just doing is dumbing down the signal yeah. down into, say, the glutes or something or people are sitting there at the hip, and everyone's all about, you know, the movement. And it's not it's just it's so people are sitting there coming to you or I don't know about you guys. Hey, I've seen so-and-so physio or this, and they've told me that, you know, my, my scap doesn't work. Uh, it does work. Yeah. Because, you know, you're not able to stand up. You know, people say, oh, my core doesn't work. Um, professor, Australian bloke, um, out of Perth, there's a professor that's got a really good, a really good couple of document um, uh, interviews on YouTube on core stuff. And I will find the link and send it to you after. Yeah, I, can't do, think, yeah. I can't think of the name. He talks about the core not working. It doesn't not work. It yeah. works. It oh, always right. works. Yeah. It's got to work. Oh, we can't stand up if your core's not working. Yeah. But everyone comes in, oh, the core's not working. Well, yeah. it fucking is working. You're yeah. standing there. How can it not work? It's just the signals. So the signals to it is one thing. And then the strength work is something else. Yeah. I, I, my view of that is. For but sure. Well, people just also just don't have the frame of reference to know what it means to contract a muscle. Yeah, you know, they, uh, yeah, they've yeah. been that lazy. I mean, I'm sure like the yeah, yeah. cyclists aren't too bad, but man, I was dating a PE teacher a couple of months back, and she was saying that she was literally trying to teach these teenage kids how to run fast. They they didn't know how to run fast, and like like that's like almost like a weird philosophical sort of like wait what like you just run fast like yeah yeah like, never but run then, fast before. Like, <laughs> how do you describe that or you know? Yeah, that's that's yeah, but it, it's it's but we get dumbed down. Everything gets just sort of relaxed down, yeah. dumbed down, sort of from, um, or if it's not dumbed down, it's gone to the other end of the spectrum. Suddenly we're all running around doing 10K races in Vibrams, right? Going, oh my God, this is so cool. You know, there's so many people doing the Dubai Marathon in barefoot. <gasps> Did you see many, yeah? Oh, loads of them. Oh. Loads I, I, of I, like, mm, I, I, 
I think there's there was um something you sent me. I did. I had a. I was down in New Zealand back in January, and was in Lake Taupo and saw a really killer cool um, uh, sports massage girl that one of my clients introduced me to. She was awesome, self trained. This girl just like knew exactly where to go. I've never been. I've never walked out so sort of ripped up. Just brilliant. And we were chatting about the bits of grounding. And so I now like to where I live in Singapore is across the other side of the road from the beach. And often I'll go walking up and down the beach. I don't do it to walk on the beach for that sort of, oh, it's nice. It's see, I do it because I like to just get that connectivity sure. back into it. And a lot of people more now are starting looking saying, well, yeah, even if you're just 10 minutes, say, outside in your garden, you're out on yeah. the, your feet, in the, you're grounding, you're getting a little bit of sort of feeling on it versus that bit of people going, oh, I need to barefoot because, hey, look, you know, that's yeah. what we did in the caveman days. It's that weird obsession about wanting to go back to the caveman. Like, but, it's the but, reason we invented shoes because it sucked to walk around a Yeah, bed. yeah, yeah, exactly. And the caveman <laughs> stuff is like when people also, you know, I, I, you, get, you get to a level of people going backwards and you go, yeah, but everyone's moved forwards. Everything's, moved. if you look at the way, I don't know, if you go on running side of things, tracks were um, grass, then they became cinder, yeah. The little and then they be, sorry sorry gravel then they became cinder the tartan whatever it was sure that's progressed yeah I mean imagine Olympics yeah right we're doing the uh, you know so all the money's putting in you know Visa and Coca putting all that money into Olympics oh yeah and we're just going to do a grass track because we decided to go back into old roots yeah of course you know or it, it, which, which always makes me laugh people want to go back to paleo or back to back to caveman stuff but it's like yeah but if you're doing that, why don't you just go proper and move to it? It's no offense. Yeah. Go and shit in the woods and don't go to the doctor. Don't go to the dentist. Don't do this. Yeah. And why? Sorry. Why are you dressed in Amani if you're going back to? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's the difference it's, between uh, surviving and thriving. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Live, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Survive, but they yeah, have yeah. a good time. And that guy who's running the that guy or girl who's running the Dubai half marathon, you know, in in bare feet, it will be fine for a while, and then yeah. something will pop up and there will something will happen and there'll be but the, they'll they'll view the injury could be based on what their feet is it's great to get out of shoes sure it's great to i think in a certain environment to get out and do some running barefoot absolutely yeah i think it's a, it's like a tr not a training i view it as a good little bit of a difference type thing yeah um but 24 7 yeah half yeah. marathons marathons yeah. there's not enough feedback there's not enough not feedback there's not enough research mm. done down the line where people are able to sit there and say 10 years, 20 years and go, right, these guys are running X, Y, Z. Now the injuries, now the bits are coming through. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's, what's uh, coming up for you, Toby? What's happening in the short term in the future? Um, I'm back to um, short term. I'm back to Singapore on Friday after a month away. Uh, managed to get sick when I was here as well. So I think we said earlier there's been a bit of a virus or bug going around. Yeah, so every three um, months people yeah, drop here. You know? Yeah, that's it. Knocked out. So I got knocked out by by as well. So I had a little bit longer stay than I sort of planned. So back to Singapore um, on Friday. I've got sort of uh, um, I'm talking to a bunch of guys in Indonesia who are opening a shop want me to go down and do some fitting with them. I've got cool. my Singapore clients, which is great. Um, you teach other people to bike fit. No, I won't. I don't, I don't, I, no, because it's, A, I won't stop talking. B, I just find that um, it, it's, there are people who do that, who have gone and created their own school. Um, Keith O'Malley School of Strength Training, sign up, come and do my course, and that's the business model they go down. Yeah. I just knocked down that model. I decided I didn't want to do it. I decided that there's no, um, I mean, say for example, there's only one of me, okay? There's several of my colleagues that also do the neurological testing and stuff um, down in Australia, America, Canada, uh, Belgium now. There's about eight of us. And of course, if people want to see you for fitting only and they want to come to you, there's only one of you. So there's only so much time. Yeah. But I just found a long while ago, I just made the decision that I didn't want to go and teach people. I just viewed that it wasn't going to be practical. Sure. And probably where I was, to be honest with you, Matt, I'd say that where I was in Hong Kong, if I'd been in the States or UK where you've got a high big, volume. A high volume. Yeah. yeah, knock out weekend courses, go to shops, so let me teach you this, let me knock out this, let me show you how to be better. Uh, I just feel that will be just selling stuff out. Like the guys who maybe copy TRX stuff, you know, yeah. you're, just, you're selling something out or they're trying yeah. to presume that this, their, 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 func their suspension thing is really cool. Well, yeah, it's just copy basically. Yeah. So I just felt that it wasn't going to be practical. So I just prefer, and actually I really enjoy my job. I enjoy what I do. I really find there's a huge satisfaction when somebody buzzes you back or you sort of see that element of that work coming through or they're like, eh, yeah, it's, a, it's okay. It's, it's probably like you guys, right, as well. You yeah, see sure. guys like from Mike or Keith and you get everyone different from walks of life. 
and they come and see you and you've seen some progress or you've helped some come back from an injury or yeah. something it's, it's really good it's, yeah. it's, it's a really satisfying yeah, yeah. Sort of yeah, feeling. it's good, and it, it's good it, to keep current and keep yourself grassroots. Like we, we yeah. always talk about, like what's next, what's in the future for us, and where yeah. we're going to go. At some point, we don't want to be coaching forever, but we still no. want to be in the field. You know, working at the grassroots level, seeing people, seeing the public, getting to know like what. What's but why wouldn't you want to be coaching forever? Why can't you coach forever? Well, just because the lifestyle in yeah. the, in the training the general public, you're yeah, you're yeah. six a.m. till till ten p.m. Yeah, but you can also yeah over time you can sort of change that, but yeah. you don't have to. To do that doesn't mean you have to go and sort of coach people to say take your knowledge and train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and do a because um, then if you do that, you're then if you look at the other end of the spectrum, which is right. Guess what? You have to do weekends or you have to do courses around what yeah. people's time. No, I, so I haven't particularly got any desire to have a a Keith O'Malley Institute of of movement or whatever. Um, There's enough people out there doing it, right? Yeah, and there's so I, many people doing stuff. Fitness industries, like it's just got enough people doing. It's got enough yeah. people doing it. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, you'll always get people signed up. Okay, if I did a bike fitting course, I'm sure I sign other people up, and it'd be really great. But it won't be two things. One, I can't. I'm not um I got a license for the neurological work I do, so I cannot teach it because it's based around the owned by. It's all patent owned by the guy. Yeah. Uh, this guy Steve Hogg down in Australia. Now, as far as I'm concerned, obviously I wouldn't cross over that line. But looking at stuff of satellite, other bits and pieces, or how somebody's positioning, of course you can go and teach people. But there's so many people doing that, and I'd feel that I'd be selling myself out mm. because you wouldn't be giving, you're not getting any satisfaction out of what you're doing. You're just teaching a lot of people, yeah, yeah, do this, off you go, write this. It's, yeah. You say there's enough other people doing that. And so if you take the fitness industry from the fitness to the, uh, God, break it down for me, I don't know, if it covers cycling, fitness, nutrition, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many people trying to reinvent the wheel, trying to reduce nah, I prefer to carry on focusing on the work I'm doing. Probably like you guys working with the people, feeding yeah. the people, and you know, and that's that's a huge, you know, um a huge satisfaction itself. And so I, where, I, yeah. where can people get a hold of you if um, where are you hanging out? I, I base myself in Dubai out of the Cycle Hub, which is down Motor City. It's really great. The guys give me a um they now they do their own bike fitting as well. Um, but there's different levels to what they do to what I do. I've got a meeting. They, they give me the meeting room when I'm in town. So I fly in. I've got a certain amount of new clients I see. I've got a certain amount of existing clients like Andrew, who, we, who you train, yeah. comes in. Certain people will all view to what they want to do. Some guys come and see you regularly every trip, buy a new pair of shoes. They wait to come and see you, set all those up. Some people will never see you again for three years or whatever. Some yeah. people just have once they have one fit, they just disappear off. Um, some people's expectations might vary. You haven't made them 10, 10K an hour faster, so they're going to go somewhere else and carry sure. on paying somebody yeah. until they feel they are. So everyone's sort of kind of diff um, I work out of the, yeah, as I said, Cycle Up Down Motor City, they're brilliant. They've also got the Palio Bistro, which is great. Yeah. Mm. So I kind of get really well fed yeah. when I'm here and I'm down and, and every time they come see me downstairs so every time I come downstairs in the cycle up from the from from my room the guys and the chefs kind of know I've got like a five minute window and they're like what do you what do you want what do you want okay can I, yeah yeah uh, and you just go yeah. through the menu oh that, that's yeah, it's great yeah. um, it's really cool it's really yeah, healthy yeah. Um, including the banana split I convinced their banana split is very healthy I keep telling myself that <laughs> but um, so then and, and I will be back here in May easy way to contact me is um, bikefordasia.com um, I always laugh when people go www. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, it's we all bike, know. It. We all yeah, know yeah, it's, now. it's all that www. It's not. It's bikefitasia.com. Yeah. Um, and obviously bike as in bicycle. B i k e fit f i t asia.com. And my email address is Toby at Bike Fit Asia. So it's pretty. You, you, you can't. I mean, if you search, search either Toby Jones Bike Fitting, if you search Bike Fit Asia, you can't not find me. Um, pretty easy, you know. Cool. Pretty easy to find. So, Perfect. and I'm back in. I'm, I do a trip. I come up here about every. It actually varies, but I'm trying to space it a bit now with the extra work I'm doing at home and in, in other locations, and wanting to ride my bike. Um, I'm back in May. I'll do a trip for about twelve days before Ramadan, um, and cool. get out just before that. And that's like that last trip. So a lot of people, sometimes people are doing stuff in the summer. Lots of guys doing the, you know, lots of cyclists, for example, go away and do the tap or follow the Tour sure. de France. That's an ideal time for people to go and get to. Some people here just come the summer, just go, don't even touch the bike, which is pretty much sensible. Um, or they put the bike on the indoor trainer, which is. But summer's a mental battle here, right? Yeah, whatever yeah, whatever sure. you do. Uh, and then I come back in September then from, you know, um, probably every couple of months, every cool. month from there. All right. Well, oh, thank you there. very much. Cool. So uh, maybe we'll get in touch with you next time you're back in town. Yeah, yeah. Be really, yeah, yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Cheers, Thank you.